Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 152. And today I've got lots of news I want to share with you, as well as another story from my newly published book, Curious Unschoolers. This is the second time I'm recording the intro to this week's episode. Yesterday, I sat down and I recorded the whole podcast. And then when I came to edit it, I found that towards the end of the podcast, something went wrong. The recording skipped a number of times, eliminating some of my words. Yes, there were a number of sentences that didn't make much sense at all. I was really frustrated by this. Actually, I wondered whether I should abandon the podcast, not have an episode this week. But I have got up this morning. I've got a little bit more energy. Yes, I'm not feeling so tired. And I'm going to try again. I managed to save the first half of the podcast, so I'm not re-recording all of it, just the bit towards the end. And of course, this introduction. So I hope my voice doesn't sound different in different parts of this episode. I'm also hoping that the recording doesn't skip words again. How frustrated I'm going to feel if I have to do this a third time. But I guess that's life, isn't it? Sometimes we just have to accept what comes our way. There's not much we can do about it. Just try again. So, on to this week's episode. there's something very different about this podcast, and that is that I'm sitting in my closet, or as we would say here in Australia, I'm sitting in my walk-in robe, because we don't have closets. We have wardrobes and walk-in robes, and we also have floor robes, but we don't have closets. But I'm using that word because I like the sound of it, and also because James, one of my listeners, he stopped by on my blog a few days ago and he suggested that I record my podcast in the closet. Well, actually, he gave me some feedback on episode 151, Stories from Curious Unschoolers. You might remember that I read out the first 12 stories from my newly published book, Curious Unschoolers. And I was talking about making an audio version of my book because quite a few people have said that they would like to listen to an audio version. And I said that I didn't think that I had the skills to do that. But I could read out a few stories and make them into a podcast because nobody expects me to be perfect when I'm podcasting. Anyway... Quite a few kind people stopped by either on my blog or on Instagram, and I even got a couple of emails, and they said that I did an okay job. James said that if I move my mic into the closet and if I can get the dog to stop barking, then he thinks that I could record my own book. So I'm giving it a go today. This isn't part of my book, but this is like a trial run. Let's see what my voice sounds like when I'm recording with my Yeti Blue mic in my closet. Just as I got into my closet, there's not much room in here, but I squeezed my way in and I sat down and of course the dog next door starts barking. I can't really do anything about that other than wait. And if I were recording an audiobook, of course I would wait, because we don't want dogs barking in our audiobooks. But because this is a podcast, I don't think that it matters if a dog barks as long as you can hear me, as long as the barking isn't too insistent. Well, I hope you agree. I don't think the dog's barking right this minute, so perhaps I ought to get on and start telling you the news of the week. 
Well, my big news is that I have totally finished my second unschooling book, Radical Unschool Love. You might remember that I told you that I was at the proofreading stage. This turned out to be a longer stage than I anticipated, and that's because of the type of person I am. Instead of just looking for punctuation errors, etc., I started reading it all again and changing sentences here and there. I am never satisfied. That's just the way I am. But I guess we got to get to that point where we stop and say this is good enough, and we move on. And that's what I've done. So yesterday afternoon, I sent the manuscript for Radical Unschool Love to my daughter Imogen, who will be doing the formatting. Yes, she'll wave her magic wand over my words, and she'll turn them into a book. Well, before we get the print book, of course, we will upload the file to Amazon, and then I will order a proof copy. And we'll wait, and we'll see what the book looks like before we publish it. We did all this only a month or so ago for Curious Unschoolers. I can't really believe that I published Curious Unschoolers only, or、oh, what, three or four weeks ago. It seems a long time ago. And now I have another book ready to be published, and that feels rather amazing. Long-time listeners of this podcast or readers of my blog will know that I set out to write an unschooling book years ago, and I couldn't quite do it. I just kept putting it aside, working on it for a little while, and then thinking to myself, "Do I really want to do this? Perhaps I don't want to share my family stories in a published book. Perhaps it's just easier to keep on blogging." And I think that's the problem. Blogging is quick work. If anybody is going to give me any feedback, I'll get it very quickly. A book requires a lot more work and dedication, a lot more perseverance. But yes, I wrote a book. Well, I didn't write a book. I wrote two books, and I couldn't have done that without the help of my amazing team, my family. I was thinking about what would have happened if I had written the book and published it maybe two or three years ago, and I do think that waiting a bit longer has benefited the book. I have had more experiences; there are more stories that I could tell. Yes, maybe I'm a better writer than I was three years ago. I wonder if I will look back in another three years and be very dissatisfied with my books. Will I see lots of errors, or will I see ways I could have written the stories better? Will I have more experience to share? I don't know. I guess we do our best at the time. In a few years' time, I can always do another edition. I guess if I've got something extra to say, or if I feel I can say it in a better way. So, Curious Unschoolers has been published. Radical Unschool Love will be published very soon. I'm really happy with both books. I think, but I think my favourite is going to be Radical Unschool Love. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the topic love. I love writing about love. And I hope anybody that reads Curious Unschoolers will go on. And read radical unschool love as well. Get the full unschooling picture. Radical unschool love, as you can tell from the title, is about radical unschooling, and this might scare some people. Some people might say, "I don't intend to radically unschool, so I'm not interested in that book." I would have said that as well a few years ago. Because we never intended to become radical unschoolers, it just happened. It was a natural process. And in my book, I want to show everybody that is a little bit apprehensive about radical unschooling that it's not what people think it is. It's not irresponsible. It is a way of life built on a foundation of unconditional love. 
So my daughter Imogen has the manuscript for Radical Unschool Love. And my daughter Charlotte, she is about to do the cover design. I have given her a rough design and I have told her what colours I would like, all that type of thing. But it will be Charlotte who draws the picture and puts everything together to make an attractive book cover. I really love how we can use our individual skills and help each other. Yes, without my family, I wouldn't have a book. What am I going to do once Radical Unschooled Love is finished? Well, I thought that I would sit back, maybe get back to a little bit of blogging, more regular podcasting, and do not much else. But I've had another idea. Ideas can sometimes be inconvenient. I don't know about you, but once we get an idea, it sort of lurks at the back of our minds, even if we're not sure about it. And then one day that idea might push its way to the forefront of our mind and we have to do something about it. Well, this idea is sort of like in the middle of my mind. It's an idea that I like, but I'm wondering about diving straight back into a lot of work. Can I make the commitment to put this idea into action? So what is my idea? Well, it's to write a third unschooling book, because I think that there's something missing. I've written Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love, but now I think that I would like to write about homeschool record-keeping. Now, that doesn't sound very interesting, does it? It's all the nuts and bolts stuff, the behind-the-scenes things. But I would like to share our experiences of unschooling while we've also had to be registered as homeschoolers. Yes, we have had to fulfill certain homeschooling registration requirements. And a lot of people, I'm sure, think, I would like to unschool, but I don't think we can, because we have to fulfill requirements. It's something legal. How can we unschool, give our kids the freedom to learn what they would like to learn when we've got to tick off boxes, when we have got to provide evidence that our kids are learning certain things? Well, you might know that we have been registered homeschoolers for, I think it's 26 years. We're going into our 27th year having to fulfill requirements. And we have had no problems whatsoever getting through our registration visits. Now, I'm not saying I've got all the answers, because I guess it depends on where we live in the world, what requirements we have to fulfill. But I have discovered that often we can do more than we first think. If we do a little bit of creative thinking, if we share ideas, sometimes we can do the things that we think are impossible. Or we can make some compromises and at least do some of the things that we would like to do. So a book on homeschool record keeping, what would I put into it? I guess that I would share things like where we can find unschooling experiences to record in our homeschool records books, how we can translate all those experiences into the right educational language, how to make our homeschool records books look impressive so that whoever visits us at registration time is in no doubt that our kids are getting a fantastic education. Maybe also, I would like to write a little bit about family journals, because some people don't have to keep homeschool records. I think this is absolutely fantastic. But everybody might like to keep a journal that we can look back on, all the things that we have done with our kids over the years, all the photos and conversations, uh, movies we've watched together, all kinds of things that we could put into a family journal. It would be a very valuable record to have for our families. We might not have to ever show them to anybody, but we might enjoy scrolling back through them or flipping through the pages, remembering all the wonderful things that our families have done together. 
all the milestones, maybe all the worries we had. It depends what we would like to note down in our journals. All the good times, obviously, but would we also share our doubts and then look back and think, wow, we had no reason to worry. Look where our kids are now. So that's one thing that I would like to do once Radical Unschool Love has been published. A couple of episodes ago, I said that I would like to share a few thoughts on what I would like to do after I've done my books. At that time, I hadn't thought of a third book, so I had some different ideas about how I could continue sharing the unschooling message. And one of those ideas was to take unschooling on the road. Yes, meet people face to face. The success of this idea depends on where people are. There's only so far I can travel. Well, I could guess I could get on a plane, except I don't have a passport. I mean, I could always get a passport. But more importantly, I don't have the money to travel the world. But I could get in my car with a couple of my girls and we could travel around close to home, maybe go a little bit further, if anybody is interested in meeting up, and we could have some face-to-face discussions. I wonder if that would be a good idea. What do you think of that one? Would anybody be interested in an unschooling day or an unschooling evening, meeting up with me and maybe a couple of my girls? We could talk. We could do some small group discussions. I don't like to pinpoint exactly where we live because of the safety of my kids, but we are somewhere south of Sydney. So I guess we could travel to Sydney, travel to Wollongong, Goulburn, Canberra, maybe up the coast a little, maybe a little bit further down the coast. I guess it all depends on where the interested people are. Now, an easier way to meet up face-to-face, obviously, is online. Now, I've done a bit of vlogging, and maybe that's something that I'd like to return to you. I just haven't had time to sit down and record anything for my YouTube channel for a long time. So that's another idea. I know a lot of people do live streaming videos. That's sort of a little bit scary to me, I must admit. But then again... It is good to step outside our comfort zones, isn't it? And I want to talk about that in a minute. But first, I did step outside my comfort zone last week. I think it was about a week and a half ago. I did a Zoom interview with Emily from the Global Homeschool Summit. I've been talking about the Global Homeschool Summit on Instagram, letting everybody know a little bit about it. Yes, I got an email from Emily, oh, quite a few weeks ago now, and she asked me if I would like to be part of the summit. Just in case you haven't heard about the summit, I will read out the description of it from the website. Go behind the scenes with 40-plus world-class teachers, experts, tutors, and homeschool families to explore the future of education for teens and pre-teens. The website is homeschool-summit.com, I think. I will put the link in the show notes. And as far as I'm aware, all the people who are involved with the summit are being interviewed And then those interviews are going to go up online and be available to be viewed in June. The 17th to the 29th of June. That's the dates for the summit. And I think each video interview will be available for 24 hours after it is posted. And after the summit has ended, all those interviews will be available to buy as a package. If you would like to be notified of when that summit starts, you can sign up for a free ticket. So Emily interviewed me. I was a little bit nervous, I think. I've done a few podcast interviews now, and I think that I've conquered that. Yes, I think I'm comfortable talking to people when it's just audio. It does help 
when the interviewer is so friendly, like Pam Barnhill or Pam Larickia, they both put me at ease. They were such delightful people to talk to. And I wondered afterwards, why did I get so nervous about the interviews? It was so delightful talking to both those women. And it was also delightful talking to Emily, but I was aware that I was on camera. You know, it was video as well as audio. I had to think about my appearance. Before the interview, I thought, I must sit still and I mustn't wag my head around too much and make strange faces. I must look like I know what I'm talking about. But of course, once I started talking, I forgot all about that. And yes, I probably don't look half as good as I would like to look. But I suppose what I look like doesn't really matter. What did I say? Well, after the interview, I sat down and thought about it and thought, what? how did it go? Was it all right? And I just didn't know. But then Emily emailed me a couple of days later. She told me that the review team had viewed the interview and they loved it. L-O-V-E-D in capital letters, which made me smile because I didn't think that it was all that good. So maybe sometimes our perceptions of things are different from other people's. Maybe we worry too much about trying to do a perfect job. After the interview, I did say to Emily, I hope that you can use this interview. But I didn't know that there was a review team that looks at all the videos. I suppose they've got to make sure that they are of sufficient quality to sell. You can hardly expect people to buy a homeschooling summit if the interviews aren't very good, if they don't contain anything of value. So I think I passed. I'm part of the Global Homeschooling Summit. My daughters Imogen and Sophie, they're also going to be part of the summit. They haven't been interviewed yet. That happens on Saturday evening. And I think this will be a good experience for them. Like me, they were a bit apprehensive about accepting Emily's invitation. But I think they'll be okay, don't you? I mean, you've probably heard my daughters in my podcast, and I think they do a fine job just talking to someone different. That's the problem, I guess. They're not talking to me. So talking of the Zoom interview and how difficult it is sometimes to step outside our comfort zones. We wonder, what will people think of us? Will they criticize us? And I wonder, why do people's words hurt us so much? Why do other people's opinions matter to us? Do other people's words affect how we see ourselves? Do they influence what we do? What will people think after they've seen my Zoom interview for the summit? What do people think of my books? I mean, it is a risky business doing things in public. What if I get some bad reviews about my book? Well, I've thought about this, and I guess that the first thing we can do with criticism is to read it carefully. Has the person made any valid points? Can we improve what we're doing? But generally, I don't think we're going to please everybody, and we have to accept that. I think it's very important for unschooling parents to take risks. It's a good example for our kids. We've got to try new things use our talents, go out there and do things that will make a difference to the world, however difficult that is. I mean, we don't have to do it all at once. We can go step by step as long as we're going in the right direction. We have to show our kids that we can't hide away. We have to go out there and do things. Yes, it's very safe not to do anything at all because then we won't get criticised We don't open ourselves up to hurtful words, but we also don't actually do anything worthwhile. We just keep ourselves hidden. So far, I have been very fortunate. All the feedback about my book, Curious Unschoolers, has been very positive. Yes, I have a wonderful, supportive group of friends. I'm also getting to know people 
that I didn't know before through my book. Quite a lot of people have stopped by on Instagram and told me they bought my book, even though um, I didn't know them. I do know them now. It's so nice that my book is drawing us all together. We can have some discussions about unschooling. Yes, share ideas, support each other, encourage each other along. Now, talking about encouragement, I have my first two book reviews on Amazon. Yes, a couple of wonderful people stopped by Amazon and shared some lovely words about curious unschoolers. And the first one's by Vanessa. A wonderful and encouraging resource for homeschoolers and those interested in homeschooling. Sue paints a picture of unschooling life through her stories that keeps me inspired and motivated. It's a true gift to benefit from her years of experience. And just Kristen said, As I read through this book, I am reminded of why I love Sue's podcast. It is like a pleasant chat over coffee with a friend. There is nothing one-sided about Sue's work. She makes you feel like a friend. This book explains and explores unschooling as a concept, but also gives you the feeling that unschooling is just another name for living a full, interesting life and that it is not beyond anyone's grasp. Sue will also help with the practical matters of translating organic learning into records. If you have ever wondered what or why or how, this is an excellent resource for unschoolers, homeschoolers and families. So aren't those lovely reviews? Thank you, Benisa and Kristen. I do appreciate you taking the time to go over to Amazon and leave those reviews. Now, I had some other exciting news today. Somebody on Instagram today shared a photo of my book and herself. And this person actually borrowed my book from her library. She asked the librarian if they could order the book in. And they agreed. And the book came in. And my friend is now borrowing my book. She checked it out from her local library. My book is in a library in Canada. I find that rather unbelievable. It's sitting there, well, it will be sitting there on the shelf at the moment. It is checked out, but it will be sitting there on the shelf under the letter E, E for Elvis. Yes, that makes me smile. When I was a child, I always dreamt of writing books, and I imagined having my book in a library. But in those days, my surname began with S. And I always wished my name started with a letter further up the alphabet. Well, I married an Elvis, and of course, I got what I wanted. I've got a story about my name, and I thought I might share that with you now. It's called Susan Skellington. I was born Susan Caroline Diane Skellington. My mother chose one Christian name, my father another and that would have been the end of it if my godmother hadn't insisted she had a right to choose a name too. So a tiny baby was given a rather grand name to grow into. I was always proud of being a Susan. It was the most popular girl's name for quite a few years. I thought popular meant best or excellent. I didn't realize popular meant common. I should have done. One year at school, there were at least three Susans in my class. I was known as Susan S. When I was about ten, a new girl joined our school. One day she confided to me she'd always dreamt of having a friend called Susan Skellington. It wasn't long before we were the best of friends. Don't you just love the sound of Susan Skellington? Try saying that name a few times in a row very quickly. It will twist your tongue into delightful knots. There was only one thing I didn't like about my name. S is rather a long way down the alphabet. I always had to wait a long time for anything that was organized on an alphabetical basis. Sometimes as a child, I was sure I'd turn into a skeleton before it was my turn to give a speech come up on the stage for my prize, receive a Christmas gift from an alphabetically-minded Santa. You'd think skeletons would be numerous. Maybe they are, but living ones are few and far between, 
and I have never actually met a skeleton that isn't part of our family. A popular first name, coupled with a rare surname, is rather a good combination. But then again, a rare name always needs spelling out. Susan Skeleton. Skeleton? How do you spell that? I wasn't Susan Skeleton. I was Susan Skeleton, S-K-E-L-E-T-O-N. Somewhere along the line, I became Sue, Sue Skeleton. And then I married Andy, and my surname changed too. I became Sue Elvis. I moved up the alphabet, almost to the beginning, which pleased me enormously. Sue Elvis, nice and short and simple. But I'm still spelling my name. Name? Sue Elvis. A quizzical look. Elvis, E-L-V-I-S. You know, like Presley. Big grin. Really? You're not making that up? What a great name. It is a great name. Short, simple, memorable. Thanks to Elvis Presley, most people have no trouble remembering who I am. Names are so important, they are part of our identity, and they all have a story behind them. Perhaps you're a Susan too. Or a skeleton. Or maybe you have a name story, all of your own. I'm not really a skeleton, but my family's name does sound a bit like skeleton, and I decided that I would use the word skeleton because maybe my family don't want to be in my stories. Anyway, Susan Skeleton is a good title for a story, don't you agree? So my book is in a library in Canada, and it will be under the letter E, right up the top there, and because my name is Elvis, maybe people will remember that Curious Unschoolers was written by Sue Elvis. Yes, it's a great name. I married a good man with a great name. Now, on to a story from my book, Curious Unschoolers. Because I was talking earlier about writing a third unschooling book about homeschool record-keeping, I thought that I would share one of my homeschool record-keeping posts from Curious Unschoolers. Because yes, there is a homeschool record-keeping section in my book. If I wrote a third book, what I want to do is expand that section, give a lot of practical examples, talk more about such things as strewing and unplanning notebooks. But to be going on with, there are a few posts about record keeping in my published book. And the one I'd like to share with you today is called Using a Gentle Approach to Change People's Minds About Unschooling. Sometimes, when I'm hopping around the unschooling blogosphere, I stumble across places where I don't feel I belong. As I read the posts, I can feel the high emotions. No one can tell us what to do with our own children. Society is wrong, and we're going to fight the system. And although I agree, I don't see myself as a person who's willing to put on my tough boots arm myself with strong language, and head into battle. This doesn't mean I don't want to do anything about the situation. It just means I prefer trying a gentle approach if I can do this without compromising my children's way of life. For, of course, if I ever do have to choose between my own family and outsiders who want to control what we do, I can be as tough as anyone. But can a gentle approach be effective in changing people's minds about unschooling? Sometimes just the word unschooling can raise people's hackles. They won't even listen, so there's no point talking. They have misinformed, preconceived ideas about what unschooling is. Most times I can shrug my shoulders and not worry about what other people think of our way of life. I don't need to convince anyone that what we're doing is okay. Other people have no influence over us. 
or do they? It is very inconvenient, but there are actually some people in this world who can make rules about the way we raise our kids and how we educate them. I'm talking about educational authorities from our state governments. I understand why they think we need rules. They don't want any kids falling between the cracks and missing out on their right to be educated. The rules were made to protect children. But these rules can seem very unnecessary, especially to anyone who is living an unschooling life. So how do we deal with what appears to be an unfair registration process? Do we stand up and be very vocal as we fight? As a group, I think we should work towards registration reform. But is there also a less confrontational way we can use as individuals? Can we unschool without compromise and still remain within the system? Is there a way to present our children's learning to the education department that ensures they are impressed, despite the fact our children are unschoolers? Can we change people's minds gently? I think we can. We have been unschooling for a very long time. At the same time, we've been legally registered as homeschoolers. Although I'd prefer not to keep homeschooling records, I can't really complain. We've always done what we've liked while flying through our registration visits without any problems. Whenever our authorised person, AP, from the education department visits us, she expects to see evidence of what my children have been learning and how they are progressing. She also wants to know what we plan to do for the next registration period. So how do we provide what is needed when we don't have bookwork or assignments or tests to show our AP? We find a method of record-keeping that showcases unschooling, one that effectively captures all the many and varied learning experiences that our children are involved with. We want our AP to look at our records and think, wow, this child is doing some amazing things. There is no doubt she is learning. I used to use an exercise book for record-keeping. Each day, I'd scribble down everything my children had done, or said, or made, or watched, or listened to. And this method did work, but it required a lot of writing on my part, and a lot of reading on the APs. It wasn't visually exciting. It didn't really bring unschooling alive. But then I discovered Evernote. This is a digital note-taking and organizing system. Evernote allows me to make written notes of activities and conversations, add photos of all the wonderful things my girls have been doing, clip articles from the internet about things we've been doing or discussing, link to the videos my children have made and other people's too, add images of books we've read and DVDs we've watched, Add audio files of my children singing and playing the piano. Clip Google Maps of places we've visited and talked about. Add scans of artworks, concert programs, letters, and any other relevant paperwork. Import emails. These are just a few examples of the things that I include in our homeschooling records. It seems to me that there's a way to include any learning experience within an Evernote note. Now, there might be other equally effective methods of keeping unschooling records. I'm not suggesting that Evernote is the only system that will work, though I do love and recommend it. We just need to use a method that captures unschooling in such a way that it's immediately obvious that our kids are getting a wonderful education. We want our records to speak for themselves. If they do, we won't have to say anything. We might even choose not to mention the word unschooling. But if we do, 
our gentle approach might just convince our AP that unschooling is okay. There's something else that will bring our AP on side, and that's our children themselves. When our kids talk articulately about their interests in a manner way beyond their years, who can fail to be impressed? And this leads me to another thought. Sometimes it's quite okay to avoid criticism by not telling everyone exactly what we're doing. When people ask us how we're homeschooling, we could say what I used to say, we're doing our own thing, and leave it at that. Somewhere down the track, people are going to notice our unschooling children and how well they're doing. And perhaps when that happens, we can say, hey, we've been unschooling all this time. This is the fruit of our approach to education. The last time we had a registration visit, our AP stopped on our doorstep as she was leaving and waved her arm towards the houses further down the street and said, No one knows about the amazing things that are happening behind your door. She'd been very impressed by what she'd seen in our Evernote notebooks. We said goodbye to our AP and returned inside with huge grins on our faces. We'd done it again. We'd got through another registration visit, fulfilling all the requirements without compromising our unschooling way of life. I hadn't had to fight for our right to do what we liked. All I'd done was keep effective records. My children and my records spoke for themselves. Sometimes all we need is a gentle approach. So if I was writing a third unschooling book, I would just expand on ideas that are in curious unschoolers. I would give more examples of what we could put inside our homeschooling record notebooks. I would suggest ways that we could make those notes look more impressive, how we could label them, how we could transform everything into the right educational language. Before I finish this episode, I have a little bit of other news to share with you. I've already shared what I've been doing with my writing and the Zoom interview and a few other things. But how about a little bit of family news? Last weekend, my daughter Sophie turned 18. Now I have another young adult. Where have all the years gone? I must be getting old. And this brings me on to the second piece of our family news, and that is that 11 days before Sophie turned 18, I had a birthday of my own. Birthdays are usually a time when I reflect on the process of getting older. I have written a number of aging posts. I guess it's natural that when we have another birthday, we look back over the previous year, we look over our lives, we think about the future... And for those who are getting a bit older like me, maybe we think about aging. We might even worry a little about getting older. This year I didn't write an aging post. Well, at least I didn't write a post for my blog. And if I had, I think it would have been a more positive post than in previous years. I always try to be very positive about getting older, But at times, I realize that I am still adjusting to the fact that I am aging. I haven't quite come to terms with my aging appearance, for example. I don't mind getting older as far as where I am in my life right at this time. I don't want to go back. I like who I am right now. And I'm sure there are still a lot of exciting things ahead that I am going to learn about and that I'm going to enjoy. Yes, I'm quite happy being me. But occasionally I would like to look like I belong to a younger group of people. 
And so once a year, I go around the circle again, trying to come to terms with the fact that I don't look like I belong to the young mum group anymore. I'm the older mum group, or even the grandmother group, even though I don't have grandchildren at the moment. A lot of my friends who are the same age as me do have grandchildren. They've moved on. And soon I won't have any homeschooling children left. I've really only got Gemma Rose, who's 15. Maybe I will still be around for a while, sharing the unschooling message and encouraging other parents to set out on this way of life. But for myself and my own family, we'll be moving on, even though, of course, we'll be unschooling for the rest of our lives. But I won't have a lot of useful things to share as far as unschooling school-aged children. So this year on my birthday, well actually it was the day after my birthday, this is what I posted on Instagram. I said, do you ever worry about getting older? I must admit that I've had lots of problems with aging. You might know this if you read my blog or listen to my podcast. How old are you? I'm about 30 on the inside. My outside is looking a bit older. Yes, I've explored this issue many times. Usually I return to it each year on my birthday. Guess what? Yesterday was my birthday. So what will I say about aging this year? I'm going to tell you how grateful I feel. Another year of life. Another year of unschooling adventures with my family. Another year where we have grown and loved and helped and encouraged and forgiven and enjoyed life with each other. This year, I don't mind getting older at all. And then I posted a picture of some of my children. And I said, If I were younger, I wouldn't have been able to take this photo of some of my beautiful children. How could I have so many wonderful teenagers and young adults if I were only 30? Impossible. Yesterday, my family made me feel very special. I am loved so very much. Yes, gratitude. I am very grateful for where I am at this particular moment in my life. I've also got a couple of other little stories about my birthday, and they're about my birthday presents. I was speechless when my husband Andy gave me his present. He told me to close my eyes, so that's what I did. I could hear something being brought into the room, and then Andy said, Open your eyes! And so I opened my eyes, and I looked, and as I said, I was speechless. There in front of me was a huge full-length mirror, a very ornate full-length mirror. I'd never seen anything like it before. I had said at one point before my birthday, it would be wonderful if I could see all my outfit all at once without having to get a chair and stand on it in front of the bathroom mirror, because that's what I've been doing for years. I have never had a full-length mirror until my birthday. And Andy had remembered what I said, and he went out, and he bought me the biggest mirror he could find. As he said later, he wanted to make sure that I could see the whole of my outfit. Well, I'm a very short person. I am 155 centimeters high, and that is 5 foot 1 and a half. I can certainly see the whole of myself in this mirror, and there's a bit of mirror left over. We all had a big giggle about this present. I think Andy was pleased with my reaction. The only problem is, as a friend said later, this mirror needs a room of its own. I need a dressing room to put the mirror in. I had to take an armchair out of our bedroom so that I could fit the mirror into the room. But that's okay. I'm enjoying my mirror. It is a wonderful present. Now, another present that I received that I want to tell you about came from my son, Callum. Callum lives a long way away, and he wasn't able to visit us for my birthday, but he sent a package in the mail. A big box arrived on our doorstep. 
and I'm going to share the story of this present by reading out the Instagram post that I wrote because it's much quicker and I suspect that I've been sitting here rather a long time. I don't want to go into lots and lots of details. I've written it once in concise words. You might be grateful for that fact. Anyway, here we go. You might know that it was my birthday yesterday, but you won't know about the life-changing gift my son Callum gave me. Today, a big box arrived in the mail. We eagerly removed the wrappings. And then, we all grinned for years. We've been boiling the kettle twice every time everyone has wanted coffee or tea. We need an urn, we kept saying. A kettle doesn't hold enough water for a family as big as ours. Well, now we have an urn. Life will never be the same again. And then I posted a photo of my daughter Imogen holding the box that the urn came in. This is my daughter Imogen. She arrived home from a funeral just as my birthday urn landed on our doorstep. A funeral? Yes, Imogen was asked to sing at a funeral. I'm sure her voice made a difference to the Requiem Mass and was appreciated by the mourners. Using our talents to make a difference. I'm always talking about that. Well, my son Callum has certainly made a difference to our family's life with his gift of an urn. The urn's full. There's plenty of hot water. Why not pop around for a cup of tea? We can sit at the kitchen table with our mugs and chat. Shall we talk about unschooling, how it's an amazing way of life? Yes, wouldn't it be lovely to talk about unschooling around the kitchen table? If we can't do that, perhaps as you read my book, you can imagine us sitting around the table, drinking tea or coffee, made with water from my new urn. Well, I've told a lot of stories in this episode. I wonder how recording in my closet has made my voice sound. Has it improved the quality of my voice? This episode is almost finished, and so I shall say goodbye in a minute. All I have to do is tell you where you can find me online. I will put some show notes on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I will put the link to the Homeschooling Global Summit. I think I told you the wrong address. I think it is homeschooling-summit.com. But but you can look at the show notes because the right address will be there. You can also find me on Instagram at Stories of an Unschooling Family and on YouTube at Sue Elvis. And of course, you can find me, or more precisely, you can find my book on Amazon. So I'd like, I would like to thank you for listening to this episode 152. And until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally. <laughs>